up real hot. If you are watching us via the internet, please stand up right there where you are. I know you're at home. I know you're in your bed. I want you to get out. Get out your bed. Hold up God's words. Repeat it with me. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Rebin's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's always relevant. It's always alive. It is quick. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray today, Father, that the word will fall on good ground. That our minds are open to receive it and our hearts are in position to hear it so faith can be, be produced in our heart and in our lives. And Lord, I thank you that this word, as we end this series, has changed a lot of our heart positions. And I pray that, Father, not only will we stay in a posture of healing, but, Father, we'll walk it out. And so I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following the word today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. For the last three weeks, we've been in a series entitled Church Hurt Hotline. So just look at your neighbor and ask him, say, are you healed yet? Now look at your other neighbor and ask him, just tell him, say, don't ask me that no more. Don't, don't, don't do that. (laughs) That's a trigger for some people. (laughs) And the whole purpose of our series was to learn how to overcome past church hurts and then minimize future ones. And so if you're taking notes or if you have your notes available, the same principles that I'm using to teach on church hurt, these same principles will apply to any area of your life where hurt has taken place. And so today is our fourth and our final lesson in the series. And so if you're taking notes or if you have the notes provided online or in person, The title is Overcoming Church Hurt with Faith. Overcoming Church Hurt with Faith. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start out with a brief review. Why? Because everybody may not have been here. And some of you all may have been students like I was growing up. Uh, It took more than one try for me to get algebra. It took more than two tries. It took more than five tries. I'm going to be honest. I barely made it out. So we're going to do a quick review so that we can jump into today's lesson. So we've learned so far that there are two ways in which a person can receive church hurt. Everybody say two ways. You should know this by now. The first way is what? Transfer. And this is when someone else's pain or someone else's church hurt has been transferred to me. And what makes that one very dangerous is somebody can get church hurt without even coming to church. 
And then the second way in which we can receive church hurt is through something that has transpired. Everybody say transpired. And this is when an action or an event that has happened in the church setting has directly impacted me or you. And so we looked at John chapter 20, verse 23, because it was one of the best ways or verses that we could see how to handle church hurt. And so Jesus said, whosoever sins you remit or you forgive or you lay aside, then they are remitted to them. So when I let go or when I forgive people's sins, it goes back to them. And then he says, Whosoever sins we retain or keep or hold on to, they are retained. Well, who retains them? Us. And so I believe one of the reasons that church hurt is probably one of the most painful uh, forms of hurt is because we're not only holding on to what hurt us, but we're holding on to the pain that it caused us as well. And so we learned that the remedy for church hurt is forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. Forgiveness, and I'm hoping that through the end of the the series, you all will appreciate forgiveness more than what you have. Because forgiveness frees us even if the person who hurt us never comes to us to make it right. So many times we're waiting for that apology. So many times we're waiting for closure. So many times people who have never met their dad or never met their mom growing up, they, they hold resentment in their hearts and they're waiting on that phone call or they're waiting for that inbox from Facebook from their parent that was missing in their life to tell them, hey, I'm sorry. But let me just say this. You listen, you want to be free before they ask you for that. Say amen to that. And once we let go of what the person did, then God can open up the door for healing to take place. So I gave you five steps. Everybody say five steps. I gave you five steps to effectively forgive because most people, I believe, we know that we're supposed to forgive, but the average person does not know how to do it. And so anytime you need to forgive somebody from this point on, all you have to do is go back to these notes because there are five things pretty much that you need to do in order for us to walk in forgiveness. And so the first one was we must acknowledge to God and sometimes others that we've been hurt. Amen. Listen, God cannot heal what we ignore. So the first one was we must acknowledge to God and sometimes others that we've been hurt. And let me just say this in a relationship. If you don't do that and something bothers you, this is going to keep bothering you. It's going to keep bothering you. And you, you, most people say, well, they should know that it bothers me. No, if they knew it, they probably wouldn't do it. You say, well, they do it anyway. Well, let it be on them once you tell them. But nobody that I know got married with a crystal ball. That's a prelude for next month. (laughs) Step number two in in forgiveness. Accept the truth that no one in church is perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, I knew you wasn't perfect. (laughs) Some of them are shocked like, what? (laughs) Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not all, not not y'all, but all. And understand, you know, this fact that nobody is perfect will help us adjust our expectations to church and the people that are in church. Amen. Because, see, we know in our heads that people aren't perfect, but for some reason, in our hearts, we expect them to be. And so, number three, this is how you forgive. You must get a revelation to adjust your expectation. A revelation of what? You got to get a revelation that people aren't, aren't perfect, which means now I have to adjust what I expect from them. Amen. Amen. 
And what is the revelation? The revelation is that pain can pervert your perspective. If you don't get pain straight, it will adjust or pervert your perspective. And so we looked at the life of John the Baptist and we saw that John the Baptist actually got a revelation from God that Jesus was the Christ and that he was the savior of the world. He got that revelation from God. But then he ended up going to prison. I don't know what he did, but he went to prison. And when he went to prison, the pain from prison, it perverted his perspective. So he went from believing that Jesus was the Christ to now asking Jesus, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? Pain changed his perspective. And so I gave you a take-home statement, and it was this. The pain of your past can pervert the perspective of your future. And this is why a lot of times in relationships, this is for single people, this is a prelude. This is why you pick the, the same fool over and over and over again. Now, fool can be a lady or a man. So we, we, you know, it ain't no, they don't have a pronoun like all these other ways. They have pronouns these days. No, they, they, they don't have a pronoun for fool. It's not fool and then fooless. It's just fool. Well, the way you keep picking them is because your pain is still there and it's perverting you from your past mistakes and you can't get from it. This is why forgiveness is so important. Do you know when you don't forgive somebody, it's like dragging a dead body along with you the rest of your life? Because it produces no life. Here's number four. This is how you forgive. You waive your right to fight or we said you surrender your right to punish. Many people can't walk in forgiveness because they're not willing to waive their right to punish or surrender their right to punish someone. And Jesus did this while he was dying on the cross. This is why he was able to forgive those who were killing him. Luke 23, it says, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So we asked the question, how in the world could Jesus, you know, ask people, ask God to forgive people who was killing him and then have the nerve to say they didn't know what they were doing. So last week, we figured out there are pretty much three ways in which people can sin against us or that we can sin against people. The first way was deception. Everybody say deception. See, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them that they, they don't know what they're doing. The New Testament always, also refers to that particular situation. It said, had the, had the princes of darkness knew that they were crucifying the Lord of glory, they wouldn't have done it. See, the devil's dumb. He's even deceived with his own deception. Because if he was smart like we think he is, he would have never killed Jesus. Had Jesus never died, we would have never been able to have our sins forgiven. But he was dumb enough to believe his own deception and thought he was doing himself a favor and killed Jesus when he was playing right into the plans of God. See, that's why you got to know all things. Everybody say all things. All things work together for good, not just some things. Don't get caught up with what's happening to you. All you need to know is, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. And if he's with me, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Everybody say deception. And that's what happened to Eve. That's why she ate the fruit in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 14. We read the verse. It says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So the only reason people sin against us sometimes is because of deception. And then number two, we figured out it was the flesh. Everybody say the flesh. 
not the flesh, but the flesh. And this is when someone does something completely from their carnal nature. That happens all the time. Last week I asked people, anybody cut somebody out this past week? And I only got like three people in the first service. Either y'all are more spiritual than the second service or y'all are a lion. Which one? Anyway, everybody say the flesh. And then the third way which people sin against, sin, uh, sin against us is the devil. And this is when people let the devil actually use them just like Judas did. So Jesus, listen, he took forgiveness to the next level. Not, watch this. He didn't just say, you know, I forgive them. He said, Father, you forgive them. And see, that's next level forgiveness. And then number five, the way that we forgive is we pray for the place and the people. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44 says, you have heard, this was Jesus talking, it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Do what, church? Do what to them? Love your enemies. Look at your neighbor and say, <laughs> just, just do them like that. <laughs> love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Watch this church. And do what? Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. The message translation says, you're familiar with the old written law. Love your friend and its unwritten companion. Hate your enemy. I'm challenging that, Jesus said. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Bring them, watch it. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond, watch this, here's the whole purpose, with the energies of prayer. Because it's hard to hate somebody and pray for them at the same time. Amen. And so, you know, a lot of us, we carry church hurt for years, it was handed down to us and mama had it and so she gave it to you and now you're giving it to your kids. And what happens if you carry hurt too long? And this is not just church hurt. If you just carry life hurt too long, your heart gets hard. And so last week, I gave you an example of dog poop. How many remember that? I know you remember that, right? And so uh, our final lesson as we approach it, I ask myself the question, what can a person do to prevent or minimize future church hurt or hurt in relationships in general? And so the answer, watch this now, is to properly maintain a heart full of faith. Why? Because faith, your heart is where faith works and faith will always produce victory in your life. First John chapter five, verse four says this, and then we're going to jump into the, the our first point. First John five, four says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. Say victory. How many like to win? How many hate to lose? I'm a sore loser. I don't like to lose. If we're going five rounds, let's say we playing a round of uno. And you win. We're going to play another play. We're going to play again. <laughs> For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Watch this. Even our faith. I love the message translation. It says, every God begotten person conquers the world's ways. The power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. So my, my goal this morning is to help you see. And value faith enough for you to let go of the pain. 
Because sometimes we don't have a value of something. Therefore, we maintain our current position. So two guys are going to come up. I just want to illustrate this and then we're going to jump into the lesson. I My goal is to help you value faith over your pain. So here we go. We got two guys here. And uh, which one of them look like they more church hurt? Which one? Which one? Okay. They say PJ looks like he's more church hurt. I don't know why they say that. I hope it didn't make no church hurt on you right now. <laughs> Y'all done gave him church hurt. See? All right. Then we got faith right here. Okay. So uh, my question is, my, my question is, which one would you pick if you're in your life? Most people, because we've been church hurt, we, we, we by default choose this one. Because this is where our emotions are, are caught up. This is what makes us feel a certain way. This is what makes us remember what the person did. This is what makes us, you know, remember uh, all of that. The problem is victory comes through us using our faith. So I hope today that you will choose here by the, by the time I finish. Because if you choose this, this is worth nothing. In fact, I'm going to get a value. This is a penny. How many would pick a job that you made a penny an hour? Let me see your hand. Anybody? Because I was going to come and let you work for the church. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, a penny. All right? All right. Now, every time you choose hurt, you choose a penny. But every time I choose faith, faith causes me to have, it starts with a V, victory. So that represents a hundred. Hold that hundred right there. I didn't say you could have it. I just said hold it. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. It's time now to believe God for something. Which one are you going to pick? Because I can tell you right now, you pick her, your faith ain't going to work too well. Which one would you pick? Every single time, right? So why do we default back to her? You know why? Because we don't value what faith does in our life. So give them a hand clap while I take my money back. <laughs> Thank you. So here's point number one, if you're taking notes. Point number one, your heart is where faith starts. Your heart is where faith starts. Now listen, your ears are where you hear faith, but your heart is where it starts. Romans 10, 9, very simple. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and watch this church believe and have faith in your what? heart that God's raising from the dead. You shall be saved. Watch verse 10. For with the heart, not the head, with the heart, man what? Believes. The New Living Translation says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For it is by believing where church? In your heart that you are made right with God. It's by believing in your heart. And here's the thing. The enemy wants us to keep our focus on the pain. When the whole time, listen church, he's really trying to diminish your faith. James chapter 1 verse 2, watch this. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Let's just stop right there. Because most of us, we don't count it joy, we cry. Count it all what? Joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? He said, because you need to know something. See, the reason most of us can't count it joy when we're going through because we don't know something. 
Because he says, count it all joy, knowing this, knowing what? Knowing that the trying of your faith is what's working patience. See, what you don't know is when you're going through something, it's not about what you're going through. It's about, watch this now, what God's trying to do through you. Listen, your faith is what's on trial. So let's look at a very a very familiar passage of scripture. And this whole scripture is, is really the whole foundation of what teaching faith comes from. But I want to point out to you that there's one thing that will really kill your faith. Watch this. Mark chapter 11. It says, and on tomorrow, I'm reading out of the King James Version. This is verse 12. Mark 11:12. 12. And on tomorrow, when they were come from Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. And he saw a fig tree afar off having leaves, if happily he might find anything on it. And he found nothing but leaves, because the time of figs was not yet. Verse 14, and Jesus answered, he talked to the tree and he said to it, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And his disciples what? Heard it. I want you to notice that they heard what he said. Mark chapter 11, I'm jumping down to verse 20. So in the morning, in other words, 24 hours had gone by, they saw the fig tree dried up where? From the roots. Where was it dried up from? I'm going to show you that when you stand in faith, it deals with the roots of the problem. That's why you can't say nothing other than faith, because listen, you can't see the roots. So if I say something that's contradictory to faith, then the roots, whatever's working on the roots, stops working. He says, and Peter called and remember said, Pastor, uh, Master, the fig tree, you, you cursed this withered away. Verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. There it is right there. He's now saying the only way that tree withered away is because I use my faith. He says, have faith in God. For very last saying to you, watch this church. Whosoever shall say to the mountain. It didn't say pray about the mountain. It said say to the mountain. Many of you praying about the mountain. Don't pray about the mountain. Talk to the mountain. He said be removed. Be cast into the sea. Don't doubt in your heart. But shall believe. Watch this what? Now watch this now. Believe that those things which he say shall come to pass. He shall have what to have said. If you notice it said don't doubt where? In your heart. Verse 24 he says therefore I say unto you. What things soever you desire. When you what? See, that's what you should be praying. You pray your desires. He said, whatever things you pray, who, what, what you desire, when you pray, watch what he tells us to do. Believe we receive them and we will have them. Verse 25. And when you stand praying, here's the key. He says, listen, out of all of that, when you're believing, when you speak to the mountain, when you pray what you desire, notice verse 25 starts out with a conjunction. Y'all know what a conjunction is, right? If you grew up in my era, conjunction, junction. Y'all are old as dirt. Old as dirt. Old as dirt. And so and connects what it's about to be said to what was previously said. So he says, listen, I know when you desire, I want you to pray that. I know I said, speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed. I, I know I said, I want you to believe in your heart uh, and God's going to give it to you. He said, but and when you stand praying, what's the next word, church? Forgive if you have ought against any. I'm so glad that that didn't say 
if someone has an out against you because people can have an out against you and you not even know it. See, it's on, it's in their court. If you, if somebody got a problem with you and they ain't come to you about it, it's on them. He says, if you have out against any, forgive that your father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Forgiveness is key for your faith to work. And that's why the enemy will let you stay in unforgiveness. He'll let you keep the hurt. Just like that video. Uh, how you doing? Oh, there's nothing like church hurt like, there ain't no hurt like church hurt. He don't mind you staying hurt because the, the longer you stay in hurt, the longer you stay out of faith. Forgiveness, listen church, is easier when your heart condition is right. So we talked about a hard heart last week. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be, watch this now, this was hard right here. Look at verse 32. And be kind one to another. What's the next word, church? What is it? What is it? Tender hearted. Well, what happens when you're tender hearted? He says, then you're able to forgive one another. You know why it's hard to forgive? Because your heart's not tender. So I decided, I said, okay, I was going to take a picture of the dry dog poop so y'all could see it. And then I was going to show you a picture of it moist and wet. But I said, I saw something else online this week that I thought would really, really, wait, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? I saw something online last week that I thought would really, really capture the picture of the heart condition and how it works. So they're going to play a video and I'm going to narrate the video. So go ahead and play the video. See, see, now the first one is wet grass. The second one is normal summer. And this one is what we just came out of a heat wave, right? Notice when the, the grass, the ground is moist, the word or the water can get in it. When it's normal, you know, normal Christian, I'm going to read a verse every day. You know, the word's getting in there slow, but it's getting in there. But when it's been hot like it's been in Texas, the reason why we'd have had that flood, because the water was so hard, the water didn't have time to soak through it. So the water just ran through, and that's why we had all those floods, because it was dry. And see, the ground represents our heart. Notice that water ain't moved right there. It ain't moved because some of our hearts are just like that. And the water of the word, it makes it hard because we don't keep it moist. So I'm going to show you now. Thank you back there in the back. Give our video department a big hand clap. So now I'm going to make a parable make more sense to you. Keep that video queued up. I might use it again. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Watch this now. It says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, whatever he sowed fell by the wayside. The fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, but it didn't have any depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. 
and it yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground and did yield forth fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth, watch this, some 30, some 60, and some 100. I want you to notice that it was the, the ground that was good, that was soft, that was pliable, that the 30, 60, and 100 fold came from. Now let's watch now what the interpretation of that parable was. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And he said, know you not this parable? How then would you know all parables? Verse 14, the sower sows what? Okay, so if my, now listen, I'm going to show you that the ground that the sower was sowing this seed in represents our hearts. And this is why sometimes the word doesn't get in because our heart is hard from hurt and pain. And so the word can't get in. And this is why sometimes people, you know, they, they, they come to church and it doesn't seem like it's sticking. It's because it has nothing to do with the preacher, has nothing to do with the word, has nothing to do with the church, has nothing to do with the people. Because you got in the same state from the last church you went to. See, sometimes it's like in relationships, you know, when you, you know, it's like that little boy, you have this girlfriend and this girlfriend and this girlfriend and none of these girlfriends are working. I don't think it's the girlfriend. Well, guess what? I don't think it's the church. Watch this now. It says, some fell by the, uh, it says, uh, verse four, 14, the sword sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word was sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. Wow. Can he take it from your heart? He can. He can. Look at verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. Who when they heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a time. Afterwards, when watch this now. When affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. See, what you're going through has nothing to do with you. The devil is just trying to get the word out of you. Because he already knows if you stay, if that word stays in you, you know what's going to happen? Faith is going to develop. And once faith comes, victory is inevitable. So what he does, he gets us to focus on what we're going through. See, what, stop looking at what you're going through and look at where you're going to. See, that's why Peter sunk. He, he, listen, he was already doing something that was a miracle. He was walking on water. He was walking. Peter and Jesus are the only two recorded in the Bible that actually walked on water. He walked on water. But the Bible says when he took his eyes off of the prize, guess what happened? He began to sink. And so what the devil does, he makes us look at what we're going through instead of where we're going to. And it says here, listen, the word, uh, persecution and arise for the word's sake. And that's what happens. It's about the word. Verse 18. And these are they which sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, enter in and what gets choked? The word gets choked. And it, the word, becomes unfruitful. So the condition of my heart is what determines how well the word works. And this is why Forgiveness frees us. It doesn't freeze us. It frees us. See, unforgiveness freezes you. Forgiveness frees you. Nobody's worth being frozen in your faith. 
I don't care if you like the woman that was with, at the well that had five husbands. She still had enough faith to believe in Jesus. See, you, you can't get stuck. Sometimes people get stuck. They get stuck. You know why they get stuck? Because they value, listen church, they value the pain over, they, over their faith. You say, well pastor, I don't, I, how am I doing that? Because you choose pain. It's easy. It's how you react. Because see, if I was the devil, I would throw the same test at you because I know you're going to do the same thing. Every test. Every t- you know somebody is going to cut you off in traffic. You know it. It happens every morning. You go the same route. Sometimes it's the same fool that does it. You know his car. It's a black Mercedes with, with a black license plate. You know it's him. Every day you get cut off. And every day you respond the same way. So the way the devil knows whether we've gotten over something is to see how we're going to react the next time he throw it at us. So you want to know why your baby mama act up? You don't want to know why? Because the devil's just throwing a test at you. It ain't about them. It's about you. And you fall for the same old test. Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't talking to me. Now look at your other neighbor and say, but he talking to somebody up in here though. And it says in verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground. What kind of ground, church? Good ground. This is what good ground looks like. They hear the word. They receive it. And they bring forth fruit. Read it with me. Some 30-fold, some 60, and what? Huh. Huh. So the condition of my heart is what determines now the effectiveness of my faith. So this is why you have to protect your faith at all costs. Some people, listen, some people you can't, you can't spiritually afford to talk to. Oh, y'all didn't get that, did you? Some people you cannot spiritually afford to talk to. Because by the time the conversation is over, you are in doubt, unbelief, you mad, you upset, you ready to cut somebody out. They done took you all the way back to your past. And now you back in the, look, you was in the spirit, D-A spirit, before you started the conversation. And now you in the flesh, D-A flesh. Some people you can't spiritually afford to have a conversation with. Well, what do you do with those people? I mean, if you can't think of nothing else, because you, you know who they are, too. See, I'm talking to some people. You know who these people are. And it's hard because they sit next to you at work. How, how do you deal with that? Well, if you can't think of nothing and they try to pull you into conversation, just say, girl, I can't spiritually afford to talk to you today. I can't do it. What do you mean? That's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there. No, 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 no. See, some of you get triggered into the flesh by who you deal with. So here it is. You can't spiritually afford to talk to some people. If they're going to pull you into your emotions, if they're going to pull you into the flesh realm, you need to avoid that conversation. Say amen to that. So what do you do? 
You have to value. Put, bring my two men back up here there again. Bring, you got to value. We're closing right here. I'm closing. Touch your neighbor. Say, he's closing right now. He's closing right now. See? Faith. We're going to give you faith this time because you, you got some faith through the message this time. Yeah. Sorry, Pastor Jonathan. I'll hear you when I finish. <laughs> okay. I have to choose which one that I want to walk in when the opportunity for church hurt comes. So here's a scenario as we close. You come in the sanctuary and they know your seat. The usher know where you sit. They know where you sit. You sit there every Sunday. You even wave at them from your seat. Hey, usher girl. But for some reason, they have amnesia that Sunday and they won't let you sit where you want to sit. You're trying to go there. No, no. Is that how the usher? Is that how you usher? Is that, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Now, you know, if you was in a Pentecostal church, they do it more like, you know, these airplane, uh, people that work for the airline. Ah! You come in, sit so they wouldn't give you your seat. You have a chance. Am I going to pick faith or am I going to pick hurt? But pastor, they know my, they know my seat. You, you, But Pastor, I asked him, no, no, we're not going to do that today. You got to talk to yourself. We're not doing that today, Evan. Oh, y'all don't talk to yourself? You better talk to yourself. Especially when yourself is getting in duff flesh. You better talk to somebody. Faith says, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are honest, what if things are just, what if things are lovely, think about that. So now what I'm going to do, I'm going to choose faith. I, my emotions might be mad. My flesh might be mad. But I'm going to choose faith and I'm going to say, Father, thank you for Sister Usher today. Bless her family. Bless her finances. Father, open a door of favor for her this week that will blow her mind. And I thank you for her helping me remember her, my seat next week in Jesus' name. <laughs> Y'all give my my two people a big hand clap. What's the advantages of letting go of church hurt? It frees me. It keeps my heart clean. It lets my faith work effectively. And it, listen, and it keeps my heart right towards the people and the place that God has assigned to equip me for his call on my life. Say amen to that. Give the Lord a hand clap for the whole series. So with every head bowed, every eye, there's some people who need to let it go today. You've gone through four teachings and it's time to let it go. God wants you to choose faith today. There's some people watching me. And I hear God telling me to tell you, let it go. 
Because your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard, neither has it entered into your heart the things that I prepared for you. I have great things in store for you, but I cannot produce them in your life until you let go of what you have deemed more important. Let let it go. Father, I pray today that from this point on, we'll choose faith. From this point on, we will choose the Word's way. And Lord, I thank you for great things taking place in every individual's life who's hearing this message. And I thank you. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And Word of Truth Family Church, there are going to be times where people may get injured. But Lord, I thank you. It won't be on purpose. But most of all, Father, they will see the Christ in us and be able to let it go. And Father, those who may have been, may be dealing with some issues, either give them the courage to go to the person or Father, give them the faith to let it alone. And I thank you in advance for doing exceeding and abundantly above what we could ask or think in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed, here's my question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven?